The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Everybody, I am Raymond Summerlin, your host for this edition of the Rotor World Football Podcast, and we're back. The NFL season is here, and so since it is Thursday, I'll be joined, as I will be every Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night game, as well as the most interesting data points from his worksheet column, as well as Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week one of the fantasy football season. Before we get to all of that, however, I would like to remind you to review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings, and we very much appreciate those of you who have already done it. With that out of the way, let's uh, let's get to it. What's up, Rich? What's going on, Ray? It's here. Like you said, week one, all of the takes that we cemented in stone for months will not come to fruition, and we'll have to counterpunch our way out of the out of the bag here and readjust to the NFL season as the snow globe is finally going to get shaken. Yeah, I've already had to recant several takes. And we're only on, we're recording this on Wednesday. We're only to Wednesday. <laughs> and I've already had to say, I, I could not fathom that Le'Veon Bell would give up game checks. And here we are. And it really looks like that's what's going to happen. So so again, always remember that we know absolutely nothing about this game. <laughs> yeah, if you were a team that, uh, you know, started off your your best ball leagues, your early drafts with Le'Veon, Jarek McKinnon, you know, Doug Baldwin, you're looking pretty hot right now. Hey, I'm still in on Doug Baldwin. Don't <laughs> don't count out Doug Baldwin just yet. But yeah, the format for this for this year is going to be very similar to what it was last year. We'll talk about Thursday night. We'll talk about worksheet, and then Nick will come on and, and talk about start sit. So let's get started with the Thursday night game. As has been the tradition since the the mid two thousands, the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles will host a team. This year, it's going to be the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, the Eagles are minus one. The game has a total of 44 and a half. It opened with Eagles minus four and a total of 47. Obviously, that's the Wentz news. Push that down a little bit. So I guess we just start on that side of the ball. You know, Nick Foles had a big, big playoffs, but really didn't have a great game against Atlanta in the playoffs. You know, he's been bad in the preseason. How are we kind of viewing this passing offense heading into Thursday night? Yeah, I think you got to have some trepidation going in. I mean, I think that you still like what Ertz has to offer, especially given the position he plays. But I think Foles will be better than he was that week three in Cleveland, you know, and that he played with the three backup running backs. Nelson Aguilar didn't play. I think he'll be a little better than that, but it's still not a game where I'm expecting a lot. And I don't think that, like you said, with that, that under has been dropping too. I bet it at 46 and a half when it, I think it opened at 47. It's just, it's been so slowly dwindling a point here, a point there, a half point here. Uh, because these are two teams that they've, they've played in Philadelphia the past two years and the, the under has smashed both games. They weren't even close. 
Uh, and that was accounting for even in 2016 when the Falcons had the best offense in the NFL and their best offense in franchise history. They only scored 15 points in Philadelphia. So, I mean, I think a lot of people have probably been hitting that. It's been it's been dwindling down. I just don't think it's a game I'm, I'm really expecting a lot of fantasy juice altogether. I don't know about how you feel about it, but kind of similar to that playoff game last year. A couple touchdowns uh, probably for each side and a couple field goals. Yeah, I would say if I was looking at the Philly side, the two guys – that I would target would be Nelson Aguilar mm-hmm. because if you're attacking Atlanta's defense through the air, the, the slot is where you want to do it. They, they're they so good outside. I think that you're going to attack it through the slot. We'll have to see if Aguilar st- continues to play there. I mean, with without Alshon Jeffrey out, with Mac Collins out, is he going to still primarily play in the slot? It seems like that would be the case to me. So he's a guy I would target. And then I do think the running backs are at least – Interesting, simply because the Eagles did not target running backs at all last year. They had the third lowest target percentage to running backs last season. But in that playoff game, they gave five targets to Jay Ajahi and five targets to Corey Clement. That was 33% of the targets in that game. The way you attack the Falcons is with running backs. They gave up 107 catches to running backs last season, most in the league. If they're going to continue to do that, I think that that makes Ajahi interesting, especially since this is a bit of a tough matchup for him. So I, I think running backs, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, maybe if in, you know in DFS, those are those are kind of interesting. But on the on the whole, I'm not that. I'm not that interested in this Eagles offense. Yeah, I think that's. I think you nailed it. I think you're just looking for a, a guy like Ajayi to get a little more of a receiving boost. This might be his best receiving game of the season. You might get it out, right out of yeah. the box. Uh, like you said, I, I don't know if he'll, he think he broke a long one in that game too. I think he ended up like 44, 45 yards receiving in that game. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm I'm with you on all all of those fronts. I think on the Falcons side, listen, we talked about like the Eagles are a little banged up on offense. They're coming in not in half mass, but I mean the defense is full strength. There. I mean, the defense is still good, and this is a defense that's kind of, like I said, had this Falcons offense's number in each of those games last year. Matt Ryan has done literally nothing. They've kind of just been cool with like letting Julio get a bunch of targets and yards and, and just stopping everyone else. I mean, Julio's gone over 100 yards in both those games and 16 targets, um, it, but no one else has done anything. I mean, you look at Devontae Freeman, he's gotten just 56 rushing yards in, the, in each of those games combined. Or combined. Uh, it's a game that they probably won't run the football. The Eagles were great against the run last year. And it's not just because they were a team that induced a bunch of uh, negative game script. I mean, they're legitimately good against the run and have a rotation of on their defensive front that is one of the best in the league. So it's one of those ones where it's just it's hard to find a lot of fantasy sizzle here. I would say if I was looking at the Falcons, the unit I'm most excited about is the defense because I think that defense is is underrated mm-hmm. talent wise. They they had a gauntlet last season. They still held up pretty good against it. Foles has been an absolute mess in the preseason. I think the pass rush should be a little bit better. They're in line for some turnover regression. If I was targeting one, I said, all right, this is the, the side that I really like on the Falcons. The Falcons defense is there. And then, of course, Julio. You mentioned it. Julio's just been outstanding against, against the Eagles because it's almost like they let him say, all right, Someone else beat us. We're going to let Julio get his, and and we'll kind of see how that goes. Let's look at the the betting side of it. You mentioned you're hitting the under. Do you have any any kind of thought on the sides here? Uh, I'm a I'm a little torn. I mean, the 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 natural just football analyst to me wants to take the, the points with Atlanta. You know, I mean, this is a team they came a, they were they came a goal line stand away from winning this game last year on the road in the playoffs. I mean, but you look at the Eagles; they have been good. Uh, against the spread at home under Doug Peterson, even going back to 2016 when they weren't a good team overall. They were 6-2 and two against the spread at home that year. They were 13, 7-3 and three at home last year if you include the playoffs. 
Um, it's one of those ones I'm not really excited about, but from a, the, a pure analyst side of me, thinks that Atlanta wins the game outright. Yeah, I I have already bet Atlanta's money line. I I don't bet I don't bet short underdogs because there's just no you don't gain anything. There have been 263 against the spread winners as underdogs of three or less, um, and. 244 times those teams have won the game outright in the last 10 years. So sure, you're going to get 19 more wins if you only bet the spread, but you're losing a lot of money by not getting it plus 105 and plus 110 on all those dogs. So I don't bet the number under three. I I never do bet, take the money line and and you'll end up in the long run better off, even if it, it costs you a few times. So I've already bet that money line. The problem is, is that Super Bowl champions have been really good in this kickoff game since they've started doing this. Every year since 2004, the Super Bowl champion has been a, a home team in this kickoff game, and they are 8-4-1 against the spread. So they have been really, really good in this situation, which is, is crazy because you would think that the Super Bowl champion would be inflated. You would think that that line would be inflated because everybody's so excited by what happened last year. Just hasn't happened. That concerns me a lot because, I mean... I, that's the kind of better I am. I like to look at these situations and take advantage of market inefficiencies. This looks like it should be a market inefficiency, and it just hasn't worked to this point. But like you said, this this is a situation where Atlanta is a talented team that probably should have won in Philadelphia in the playoffs. I don't think Nick Foles we saw in the playoffs is Nick Foles we're going to see here. I think Atlanta wins this game, but it's it's giving me some some pause, that number. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, you you're you're here to educate me along the way into the the betting guidance this year. But yeah, well, I mean, the football analyst analyst me thinks that they win the game outright. So, and like you said, so if the the numbers point to not taking, just leaving those points on the table, just go ahead and money line it. All right, I'm going to say it every week, so just get ready for this. But you just need to hear it every week. You should be reading the worksheet. Go and read the worksheet. On rotoworld.com, go and do it. We're going to hit on a few players, a few of the most interesting players from each position in the worksheet, but there's so much more in there. Make sure you go read it. And first up this week for us is one of my favorite players, Alex Collins. He's a big home favorite against a questionable run defense. I, I have to imagine you like him this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at Collins when he secured the lead back duties, you know, this offseason due to strong performance on the stretch last year. I mean, after the Ravens week 10 bye last year, he averaged 19.8 touches per game. He is the RB10 for fantasy purposes. He had five games as the RB14 or higher in weekly PPR scoring over that span. And his six rushing touchdowns over that span were tied for the league lead with Todd Gurley and Latavius Murray. You already mentioned that this Sunday he's attached to a huge home favorite, which we already like for the running back position, against the defense that just hemorrhaged production to running backs a year ago. Buffalo surrendered a league-high 28.1 fantasy points per game to opposing backfields last year. 62.5% of the offensive touchdowns scored against the Bills were two opposing running backs. That was the highest rate in the league. I mean, Collins should have plenty of opportunity to stack volume and scoring opportunities, making him an RB1 value, I think, out of the gates for those who got him as their RB2. Yeah, and I mean, you have to – you look and you say, well, they have Kenneth Dixon and they have Buck Allen, but they had Buck Allen at the end of last year. They had Danny Woodhead at the end mm-hmm. of last year, and he was still a workhorse, 2.6 catches per game over his final nine, even with Woodhead healthy. I Yeah, everything points to this being great. I will say the Bills did add Star Latulule. So maybe maybe the running game running defense is a little bit better, but yeah, I'm, I'm all. Yeah, in. they got smoked by Carlos Hyde in the preseason. The one like true test, they did stop the Bengals, but it's like in, it's one of those things. Yeah, you always want to take a grain of salt as this week is week one. We talked about the snow globe getting shaken up, uh, but this is a this is a team as a as a big road dog. It still kind of projects to where they were going to be a team we target early on the ground. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Next up is Keenan Allen, who's another one of my favorites. It really seems like you're trying to butter me up here in, in week one. So what are you expecting from Keenan Allen this week? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long ago that Keenan Allen, kind of like we talked about Collins, he was just that he was the absolute best fantasy wide receiver to have in your lineups. I mean, you look at the way he closed 2017, the final seven games, he had 31% of the Chargers targets. He had 8.3 catches for 114 yards per game over that span. He was the wide receiver one for fantasy over that span. And he should be the focal point in his passing offense, bar none, and couldn't get you know more of a, a tastier matchup at home on the team level than at home against the Chiefs this weekend. Even with Marcus Peters a year ago, the Chiefs allowed 12.7 yards per completion in 2017. That was ahead of only the Colts. And when teams were throwing the ball versus the Chiefs, they were targeting their wide receivers. I mean, opposing teams target their wide receivers 64.7% of the time that was the highest rate in the league the Chiefs have one of those teams too they've kind of revamped their position but it's still one that we don't think that's going to really push us off of the matchups I mean Steven Steven Nelson Orlando Scandrick Kendall Fuller was a solid player in the slot but those are not that's not a group that's going to push us off of any any elite matchups that we are targeting you know advanced football the the two concerns I would have are one Philip Rivers has been terrible against yep. Bob Sutton's defense. Just awful. Now, those defenses had more talent. And so, you know, maybe take that with a grain of salt. But that's something really to concern yourself with. And they have Kendall Fuller this year, who is gives them a much better option in the slot. You would imagine that Keenan Allen will see a lot of that. So I little bit few reasons for, for worry there. But I think this defense is trash. And so I think that Rivers is going to be better than he normally is. In fact, I like him a lot in daily because everybody knows about those Kansas City struggles. So maybe maybe you're going to get him a little bit lower owned than you otherwise would. And I certainly like Keenan Allen. Moving on, we're, we're keeping with the favorites. Maybe Andy Dalton is not one of my favorites overall, but he is certainly one of my favorites this week. Am I wrong to feel that way? I don't think so. I mean, I've talked a lot about this offseason and just the projected natural progression the Bengals offense should make. And they draw a soft opponent uh, to start the year to, you know, get that train headed in the right direction. I mean, albeit it is on the road in Indianapolis, but this is a Colts starting secondary that's just very green. They don't have a player with more than 13 career starts across their top four cornerbacks and two safeties. Just two of those players have more than one year of NFL experience. Clayton Gathers, who has just five starts in three NFL seasons, and Pierre Desir, who has started just 13 games in five years over three different teams. I mean, I think we this is a game where we expect a lot of zone coverage with little pressure, allowing Dalton, who was the QB3 in this matchup a year ago, uh, you know, against the Colts at home, uh, to just have have the opportunity to just pepper a lot of highly efficient targets in kind of like a bend-but-don't-break style defense. I mean, I expect him to be in the mix as a top-12 quarterback this week, and, you know, I would expect him to outscore drafted quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, and even his counterpart in this game, Andrew Luck. Yeah, he will be, I expect at least, he will be a good early advertisement for why you should draft quarterbacks late. Because... There are going to be options every single week, especially this year with how deep quarterback is. There are going to be options like Dalton out there every week. I mean, Tyrod Taylor is out there in a ton of leagues. Blake Bortles gets a good matchup against the Giants this week. He's out there in a ton of leagues. There, there are certainly going to be some options. Finally, we have to talk about tight end and Ricky Seals-Jones is one of the more interesting ones this week. So what's your outlook for him? Yeah, we all know by now that, you know, Seals Jones was highly efficient, you know, in his, his rate stats here. He led all tight ends in yards per catch and target rate per route run. 
Uh, the problem was that he hardly ever played. He played just 30% of the Arizona snaps just twice all year. That wasn't the case this preseason as he played 87% of the snaps with Sam Bradford in the game this preseason. And opportunities there for Arizona. They have a largely, you know, fairly flat target dispersal between Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson. No real third presence is established, which kind of leaves the door open for Seals Jones to have an opportunity early in the season. And he'll get the opportunity versus the Washington defense that was 28th in targets, 26th in receptions, 29th in receiving yardage allowed per game to tight ends in 2017. I saw you uh, on Twitter this morning, you know, mentioned earlier about the spike weeks, spike weeks skewing some of those tight end totals for teams But Washington wasn't one of those. They allowed 10 different tight ends to catch four or more passes in a game, seven to catch five or more passes, eight different tight ends to catch 50 or more receiving yards in a game, uh, eight different ones to catch a touchdown in a game. And you look at the linebacking core, it's the exact same linebacker core they had last year that'll be starting. They replaced their slot cornerback this year with the previous mentioned Kendall Fuller with Fabian Moreau. Uh, you know, I don't, I doubt that you're in a streaming tight end position out of the blocks in your fantasy drafts, but I mean, Ricky Seals Jones kind of makes an intriguing DFS option within his position. He's just 3K on DraftKings, 5,100 on FanDuel, you know, for those kind of teams not aiming to invest in the position. Yeah, he was my second my second best streaming option behind Austin Zafarian Jenkins in the waiver column. Maybe even I should have had him first, but I mean, playing the Giants, it's just it's one of those things for tight ends. But yeah, I th- I think that it's there and like you said, opportunity I think is a real argument for him and it, it certainly seems like it's going to be there. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember you can read the worksheet on rotoworld.com. Scratch that. You should read the worksheet on rotoworld.com. You can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves and I will be back with Nick Minzio in just a second. Listen up, fantasy football fans. You need to try out Draft. It's weekly fantasy football, but with no salary caps. On Draft, you play in live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. It's a draft that lasts for just one week. There's no roster management. You set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's absolutely it. Drafts start every couple minutes. You can join one right now. And the best part, you're playing for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft out there for everyone. Come and join me on Draft today. You can download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or you can play on Draft.com, whatever you like. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code ROTOWORLD. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using our promo code ROTOWORLD on your first deposit. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com to get started. And we are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and Sidem over at RotoWorld.com every single week, so you should make sure you go over there and read it. What's going on, Nick? What's going on, Ray? Man, week one already. Can't believe it. Yeah, it, it really, the offseason... It flew by, and now we're now we're back here getting ready for this Thursday night game. It's, it's at least a good Thursday night game. Like at least we get started with a good one, right? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see some real football. I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot of preseason footballs because I mean, it's it doesn't count. So, I'm not too into <laughs> things that don't count. But I'm excited for this one. I'm not too into things that don't count. You should get that on a mug. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good workplace gift. Yeah, a little coffee mug, you know. Yeah, it's, Works a good, it's a good out. idea. Yeah, trademark that. So every week we're going to talk about a, f- a few people from your start and sit column. Not everybody. We're not going to hit everything, so you need to make sure you go and read it. But we'll hit a few of the people, and we're going to get started with someone the drafting public kind of soured on, it seemed like, as August went along. Yeah. But you are in on Randall Cobb in week one. Why? Yeah, I mean, 
I mentioned this in my article. I just people like did not talk about him most of the summer because he didn't play. He was in a walking boot all summer uh, after requiring some minor ankle cleanup surgery in June. Uh, but he was cleared for camp. Practice all practiced the whole way through camp. Just played six snaps in the preseason though, and then those trade rumors came up with Mike Lombardi throwing those out there. Nothing really came of it. Uh, Cobb made the team. There were some whispers he might not make the team, but I mean. In our draft guide, we mentioned. I think you might have wrote this. Did you write the, these are receiver blurbs in the draft guide? Actually, yeah, I did. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that in the in the article. Uh, you you mentioned how Rogers' number two receiver has finished as a wide receiver twenty four or better six times in eight seasons. Rogers has played at least fifteen games. So I mean, I like Cobb to bounce off, bounce back in a big way Sunday night here uh, after a slow lull through the summer. He averaged six catches for sixty yards with Rogers last season. Very small sample size, but. I mean, I just like this spot for him. He put up a touchdown in one game with Rodgers against the Bears last year. I mean, I mean, I think they're going to put up points this week. So I like Cobb in this spot for sure. Yeah, I mean, and the only concern you would have is, is Graham actually the number two receiver now? But but yeah, I mean, like I talked about it all summer. I don't know. We're not going to take a shot on Randall Cobb. And it makes sense in week one. And you mentioned it with Rodgers last year. He was actually really good. And that was with Jordy Nelson still being there. So I think that that's a good call. The Minnesota backfield situation is is a little bit odd heading into the season. Dalvin Cook is ready to go, but we don't know how much work he's going to get. So how are you kind of handicapping this situation? Yeah, I mean, I saw Cook go as high as like the late first round in some drafts this year. I was like, well, that is just way too aggressive for me. I mean, this guy played one series in the preseason, rushed two times for one yard. Um, Just I didn't see enough of him. I mean, we see running backs all the time don't play in the preseason, but these are like established vets who have like had the – the uh, tread one off their tires the year before trying to get him some extra rest, but this isn't the case with cook. I mean, I'm, I'm legit concerned about his workload the first month of the season. So I could see him getting maybe like eight to 10 carries. Latavius Murray showed well last year. I mean, his yards per carry were like 3.9 or something like that. It just wasn't impressive, but he was a threat to score multiple touchdowns. Every time he stepped on the field, he scored eight touchdowns over the last nine games last year, had a couple hundred yard games mixed in there. He just has a nose for the end zone. I think he can score a couple touchdowns on uh, Sunday with the, the Vikings being the home favorite, favored by seven points, I believe. Um, I just don't think they're going to need to use Cook on Sunday. So I'm, I'm like legit concerned that if you play him, you're not going to see the return you're hoping for. And I think I think Murray's a good bet for like guys that – owners that have Le- Le'Veon Bell on their team, who's obviously in question for week one. So if you missed out on James Conner, I'd maybe be looking to pick up Murray. Yeah, I, I'm with you there a little bit. I, I think the split might be – a little more in Murray's favor than, than we would really like it to be. The one thing working in Cook's favor is the 49ers are really bad against receiving backs and we don't expect Murray to be that guy. So maybe they get him touches out there. Maybe they feel more comfortable doing Murray that. Murray was targeted seven times in the first half of that third preseason game by Kirk Cousins too, which was crazy. Yeah, I mean, and so there you go. So maybe we've seen Murray in Oakland. He had one of those years where he had something like 50 catches or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. So maybe that's there. He only had 17 targets last year. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think that there's reason to worry about Dalvin Cook's workload, especially early in the season, because the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. Like it would be a shock if they didn't make the playoffs. And so keeping Dalvin Cook healthy for then makes a lot of sense for them. And so uh, we'll kind of see how it works out. All right, let's finish up with Sammy Watkins, who... Entered August as a hot sleeper, but that fell by the wayside as soon as we realized that Patrick Mahomes doesn't know he exists. So do you expect <laughs> him to kind of meet him in week one? Dude, no. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, I was on Watkins. Like, I have a ton of shares in Watkins and redraft, which I'm kind of scared about right now because after that preseason, he was, he played 60, 67 snaps, was targeted seven times, 
caught one of them for 15 yards, dropped one, had another picked off. And Tyreek Hill, on the other hand, played 64 snaps, 14 targets, caught all 14, 182 yards, one long touchdown. I mean, it's pretty obvious Hill is the number one wideout here. And then when you factor in Travis Kelsey, he's probably the number two. And then you have Kareem Hunt in the backfield and catch passes. I mean, Watkins on a good day could be like number four in this pecking order sometimes. And going against this trio of cornerbacks for the Chargers, Casey Hayward, Trevor Williams, Desmond King, all are healthy. All had big 2017 seasons. Uh, Watkins is a big fade for me this week. I'm, I'm pretty scared about having him at, in a lot of leagues as my wide receiver three. Yeah, it's it's not looking great. But, you know, he's going to just randomly show up with three touchdowns because that's what right. one of these weeks That's because that's what Sammy Watkins does. All right, thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Minzio. You can also follow Rich at Lord Reeves. I am at RM Summerlin. Do not forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast, and we will be back to talk to you next week. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.